You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is the Palpably Unfair Podcast, episode 23, brought to you by the SB Nation NFL Show. I am your host, Michael Kist, and today we've got a great conversation for you. So I gave my usual co-host, Kyle Posey, the day off after a long and grinder of a season, and in his place, I brought in Nate Tice of The Athletic to talk about a wide range of topics from how we learn the game to how Nate's learning experience has changed from going from the coaching world to the media world, the masterpiece game plans put together by Buccaneers coordinators Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles. You are going to love it. And if I'm right and you love it, show us some love in Apple Podcasts by leaving five stars and a written review. Those really help us out. And a huge thank you to everyone that's done that already. Over 100 five-star ratings and over 50 written reviews in our first season is a cool milestone for us. So we appreciate the heck out of you. All right, let's kick this bad boy off. This is my conversation with Nate Tice of The Athletic. Let's go to that right now. Nate, welcome into the SB Nation NFL show. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, bud. How you doing? This is um, thank you for having me on. First off, so I'm pretty fired up to be here. I've been a big fan of your work since you've entered the uh, the Twitter sphere, and now you're doing stuff with the uh, the Athletic, and you you've been a great follow on the timeline. And I really appreciate that. Uh, Learn a lot from your stuff. Like people started posting clips of the Super Bowl, and I'm just like, you know what? If I just scroll through Nate's timeline later on, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get everything I need to know. So you've been a valuable resource uh, as far as that goes. And that's what you're here to talk about today, some Super Bowl film. But first, as for the gentle listeners, would you introduce yourself? Maybe a little bit of your uh, your background so they know who you are. Yeah. Uh, well, my background kind of is like I, I knew I was going to get into the football world uh, even as a kid. My dad my dad was a longtime coach. I have two uncles that are coaches. And I, I played at Wisconsin. Uh, my claim to fame, I, sh- I should say play, that's in quotations. It's uh, <laughs> my claim to fame is I was Russell Wilson's backup at Wisconsin. I was a quarterback. And right away, I knew I was going to get into coaching and whatnot. I, I was a j- grad assistant at Pitt under uh, Paul Christ, um, who's now back at Wisconsin as the head coach. And then I, from there, I got real lucky, got a scouting opportunity with the Atlanta Falcons for a couple of years. And then after that, I was able to uh, got real lucky. Actually, this is that's a longer story, but I got lucky to work with the Raiders and I coached with my dad there and uh, under Jack Del Rio. And that was up until 2017. After that, I had an opportunity to work in the AAF as a personnel director. So I've done just a little bit of everything. And then, yeah, like you said, uh, on the Twitter sphere, I, uh, I realized I had a lot of free time on my hands. And I also had a lot of useless knowledge, I thought. So I was like, all right, I'm going to just start tweeting stuff out. And thank you. So I'm glad I'm glad people do enjoy it because uh, I, at first I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I was tagging every team into every tweet, <laughs> like just going like the Titans, Dean Peace. And it's just, I, I've learned a lot that time. <laughs> there's, def- there's definitely a way to like, I guess, construct certain yeah. certain things on Twitter for for engagement. And you kind of learn the uh, – the road as you go there. Before we get into the Super Bowl, your your story is fascinating to me, and, I, and I'm wondering, just like from your viewpoint, 
how how you started watching football maybe differently from the time that you were a coach to to now is there a difference yeah uh and yeah we were just talking about this a little bit before is i think once you get into coaching in especially i was more in a grunt role in the lower level role but you're still expected to just know know things and just you know it, it's kind of a confidence thing it's such a competitive industry and it's you your knowledge you really have to uh, have a self-awareness of knowing what I don't know. And I think once you're in that role, it's so competitive getting that job. And then you're like, I don't want to say like, I don't know this defense because it sounds like, oh, what, what, what do you know then? And I would say once I started getting onto Twitter and I was talking to you before the show about this is that offensively, I always felt like I was pretty good. And I knew some, uh, you know, knew the basis of defense. And I knew some, I knew I had kind of some parlance, some stuff is just osmosis once you're around the sport. But also now I learned more about defensive calls and not not so much the what. I think I think we can all learn even on a quick Twitter timeline search is the what. What just happened there? I think once you start learning the why, hmm. that's when – and I think that's everything in life, not just football. Uh, but I think once you start learning the why to things. Like I knew, okay, this defense runs cover two. Okay, but why do they run cover two? This defense runs match and they love to rotate to safety here. Oh, okay, cool. I, I got that. I call it three boss. Great. I'm good. But then learning why they're doing that and and the calls of it and how they're trying to hide their weaknesses. And I've learned that more and more from Twitter. And I'll, I'll be completely honest. And and there's a lot of great resources out there, a lot of good coaches out there that are willing to share. I think that's the other thing is there's a lot of just really good personalities that are very uh, gracious with their time. I, I think uh, what I have found in football, especially, like I said, it's a competitive field, is sometimes people don't want to share what they know. They, they go, well, you could take my job in two years and three years. And, you know, and that's that's reasonable. I'm not I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but it's fun seeing on Twitter, seeing these great guys, great minds of the game are being so personable and so uh, um, outgoing and so uh, for uh, on the forefront of just sharing, just sharing and building everybody up. And that's really cool to see. And I, I love that aspect about Twitter and football Twitter. I don't think it was always like that either. Like it feels like there's been a shift and maybe maybe I was I was missing it. And, and you bring up a great point, something that and like we like to get really nerdy on this show. So I think this is a relevant topic. And people are always asking me like, hey, you know, I, I love your podcast. I want to get into football media. Where did you learn the game? And, you know, I, I kind of took a little bit uh, of, a, of a different route than maybe some people did. I went to the scouting academy and I kind of learned it on my own after the fact and whatnot, doing some of the resources that you were talking about. And, you know, Coach, Coach Vass, who, who you brought yes. up, who yes. has the, the Makes Defense uh, Great Again podcast is is like a friend of mine. And it's cool because like me and Vass will be on Warzone at like 2 a.m. one night and I'll ask him about a play and he goes, well, pull it up. What's the timestamp? We'll go look at the play. And next thing you know, I, I think one night we spent two hours on like one play and just learning, like you said, not only the what, but the why of it. And yes. really like taking advantage of those resources that you find on Twitter. Like you don't just follow me to follow me. Follow me to find out who I'm following and who I'm trying <laughs> to learn the game from, right? Follow Nate, you know, to see who he's having conversations with. And I think you can really learn the game that way outside of a conventional method of going to the scouting academy or or being a coach. Would you would you agree with that, Nate, essentially? Abs absolutely. And I think I've, I've taken for granted and really being around and starting to meet more people from football Twitter like yourself and 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 I'm just going to group you into that, uh, but becoming friends with and friendly with is I got I w I've been very spoiled, not just in just my life in general, but just very blessed to have be around some very smart guys in football. Like 
I was 14, 15 years old and I'm, I'm a ball boy during training camp. I'm spotting the ball and reading the script. You know, it's just that stuff is all osmosis. It was not me at 14 going like, I want to learn everything about football. <laughs> it was just the circumstances of my upbringing. And I, I've realized over the years, it's so cool to see these guys that didn't have that upbringing that, you know, maybe just played in high school or they played in college and they're like, no, I just love the game. And I love, I, I, I I'm, I'm going sidebar real quick. I get real, I've always had a thing with football that, yeah, it's a tough game. It's very physically demanding and you have to have a mental fortitude that a lot of us don't have. And I've always just loved the st strategic aspects of it and just the, the amount of just the X's knows it's infinite and how much you can learn about all that. And I think what's been refreshing to see is on Twitter, like Vass, like you said, understanding that too and teaching the game from that perspective. I think, mm -hmm. yes, the basis of football is you have to be physical and you have these fundamentals and this and, and being tough, mentally tough and physically tough and just working your way through all these all these things. And football hurts, like blocking hurts. <laughs> and, you know, like to be a good blocker, you have to go through some pain every single play. And that's something I appreciate. Don't get me wrong. But it's cool to see these guys rather than going like, oh, why did this guy win? And they go, they just wanted it more. And it's <laughs> just I, it was refreshing. I also I got onto football Twitter and I see these guys going, well, you know, on that scheme. So the last the last drive, they brought this down here. And I was like, oh, yes, it's cool seeing guys have that perspective. I, I think one of the first interactions I ever had with you on Twitter, um, it was about just a route and just calling a route that I think uh, Cal, or, uh, Stefan Diggs ran. Right. And there's been and yeah, there's just been other times with that. But it's kind of cool. Um, I'm having another sidebar here, but it's it's uh, it's I think a lot of this times is. Football, especially before everybody was able to share all these resources and that stigma about sharing, everybody yeah. wants to be the Belichick and just go, no, this is my stuff. It never it never leaves this meeting room. I think uh, as the generations, you know, as it's getting younger and all of us are being more apt with social media and just more just realizing, hey, there's a million ways to do these things. Just because you call it that doesn't mean it's the right thing. I think now you're seeing is there's more blending of ideas and it's kind of cool seeing some terms become more universal, which mm -hmm. I like because when they, everyone's speaking on the same terms, it's easier to share ideas. Like you just said, you probably were talking to Vass, hey, let's pull that up. He might've called it something different than what you were calling it, but then now you yeah. talk and now you hear those different terms being used, the way they're using it, the verbiage they use, the 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 philosophy behind things. And I think that's the great, the better thing about social media and just the people on it right now, including yourself and all the other guys that we're friends with. I love that. And I love the, the sense of community because you, you really hit on something there. It's like tribal knowledge more turning into open source knowledge. Yes. So it's even easier now than it was ever before to mm -hmm. go get into it. So gentle listener, if you're if you're really taking it seriously, you know, really get involved with social media and, and follow the right people. Anyway, we didn't come here to talk about that, but I was so interested in just that uh, that, that course of discussion that I wanted to really dive in because I know a lot of listeners are, are interested in that. What we came to here, to here to talk about is the Super Bowl, and I think that's a great segue, right? The the, the what and the why of the X's yeah. and O's and the, and the chess match and, and, and all of that because what we saw from the we'll, – we'll start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, defensive coordinator Todd Bowles. Coaching the the game of a lifetime, having the game plan of a lifetime, and obviously the players executed on the field, but a lot of it had to do with the prep going into the game because it certainly felt like the Bucks were all over everything. And what happened was 
They only allowed nine points, which for the Chiefs hadn't happened since way back November 19th in 2017 against the New York Giants. The last time they scored less than 10 points. And that was Alex Smith. That wasn't Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has never scored less than 10 points in the NFL. So uh, a great achievement from Todd Bowles. And what we just saw was uh, just a masterpiece, Nate. There's a joke, an ongoing joke. You know, it's like, what's the blueprint to stop the Chiefs? You know, and and. There, there is no blueprint, really. But if there were to be a blueprint, if there were to put a sketched outline, is you have to win with your front four, and that is what unlocked what the Bucks did. And uh, I was talking with Robert on the podcast on the Athletic Show. Is the way for to beat Mahomes with, or I just say Mahomes. I I, I don't even say the Chiefs, but the way to beat <laughs> Mahomes in the Chiefs' offense is, you know, you can't really pressure him because he he is he's a god against any type of coverage you want to run, but a way to kind of get that more pressury look is to run games up front. And I think that the Bucks realized that in the second half of their week 12 game. And, it, you know, everything that uh, uh, the Bucks did, it, nothing was like, not, it's nothing that's never been seen on a football field before. It's not mm-hmm. some new call or anything, but just the, the, the masterpiece of it all was the timing of his calls. And just, we, we talk a million times about like a guy like Kyle Shanahan on offense calling a great game. And they set up a pass and they said, you know, they run a zone, run a zone. Then they run a bootleg and then they run a play action and then they run the counter off of that. And we're like, wow, what a great play call. There's defensive versions of that as well. And on the first couple drives, that's what Todd Bowles did. It was uh, their first game in week 12. They ran this kind of funky look. Um, I shouldn't say funky, but it's an unusual look, uncommon look, I'll say. And it's three double cloud is what I call it. Three cloud. It looks like it plays out like Tampa two, but with three Mm -hmm. safeties kind of building an umbrella up top. The first couple drives, Bulls played off that. Okay, we showed them this look. All right, now we're going to show them the same look, but we're going to bring a blitz off of it. Hey, we're going to show the same look, but we're going to run two man off of it. We're going to bring the same look. We're going to run another blitz and rotate both safeties. Down. And I was like, oh, okay, that's that's really, really good stuff. Um, and the real stroke of genius, too, was none of that. Uh, the corner cat, the the corner blitz with a nickel was a newer look. I, I haven't seen Bulls run that in the games I've watched. Um, but he is a pressure guy, so he is comfortable doing that because the coverage rules will play out the same. I hadn't seen him run like the the double quarterback blitz before in the season. Yeah, it was, hadn't it seen was it. new to me. That's an <laughs> unscouted look. They, when when you're putting a game plan together, an offensive staff, the O line coach and the assistant line O line coach will they'll um, the four games you break down. Super Bowl will be more games, but usually the four games you break down, you're going to break down every pressure look from every down and distance type. So first da- first and second down, you know, th- all the third down down the distances um, and you go through every pressure against, okay, this is all our three by one uh, protections. This is all our two by two protections. This is our empty protection. This is, you know, Oh, we got this protection in this week. So then you, you know, this is what good coaches do, I should say, but then you prepare your guys to say, Hey, these are our rules. So line, the O-line coach will get with the center and the quarterback. We're all on the same page, the coordinator as well. And when you give an unscouted look, and this is actually on the flip side with Spags, the defense coordinator for the chiefs is so good at, is yeah. unscouted looks these designery game plan pressures that all of a sudden it's like whoa like we weren't we were not prepped for that and yeah. so on the on the sideline when that third down blitz happens around the corner those I bet you the Chiefs are on the sideline they spent the entire seven ten minutes on the sideline going over how to protect that blitz and then the Bucks never brought it again <laughs> like that that's pretty that's that's it's older brother stuff it's like I'm not hitting you like why why are you hitting yourself like I'm not hitting you I'm not hitting you like you know. And that's what they did. That's what Todd Bowles did. And and I even just, like I said, that was the one kind of change up look because other than that, he ran two man a bunch because they're just daring Mahomes to run. 
But the stroke of genius with that was he did it on rundowns. It wasn't just third and long. He was running two man. He was doing it on first and second down. And two man is it's pretty anyone can draw up two man. It's it's not a new coverage or anything. But uh, the best way to beat it is there's only a couple routes that are really good against it, like a outbreakers, a couple double moves from the inside, or the quarterback scrambling. What Bulls was doing was saying, hey, if we run two man, their RPO game is kind of dead because mm. we're press man and we're convoluting everything, and it's inside leverage man. It's not outside leverage man like most man concepts are. Yeah. And then you got the safeties over the top, and if you're not gonna, if we're gonna get, you're gonna run those RPOs, and you're not gonna hand the ball off, they won. They just kept doing it, and Mahomes. How many times Mahomes double clutch and he spun one into the ground because all of a sudden the guy's not open because two man really kind of kills RPOs, most RPOs um, with the timing because you're taking out the quick game and that's what two man's good against. So I think it was just those little tweaks, the little, you know, taking off what they've done before and then just that's what good game plan, good coaching is. It's just taking what you are good at and just putting them in positions that it's, you know, makes the strengths the strengths and hides your yeah. weaknesses. And yeah, that's what Bulls and the Bucks defense did. They, I mean, helps when your front four is winning every snap too. <laughs> I was, I was gonna say like, yeah, you know, of course, getting pressure with four is is a, gr- a great yeah. plan, but you have to be able to do other stuff with it. And I think what what they really did well was confuse Mahomes. I don't know if "confuse" is the right word, but they they kind of predicted everything the Chiefs were going to do. Yep. And not only that, with the way that they used their safeties, their safeties were so key in this. Because not only were they were they preventing the deep ball, but it really felt like what they were pre-snap was different from what they were post-snap. And they did that enough to give Mahomes enough pause to to think, okay, nothing is real pre-snap. I have to confirm all of this. And that kind of slows your process down, right? Yeah, that's a lot of playing quarterback and being on time as a quarterback. Mahomes is one of the best of going off script and uh, what I, I usually call ad-libbing. And it's... Most quarterback play, if you, if you watch Tom Brady, just on the flip side of it, everything comes out on time. And, and to play that way, you have to assume things. And so there's usually a pre-snap confirmation is, okay, this is where you're looking at quarterback play. Generally, you're looking at coverage. You look at the safeties. That's where you yep. start at every single time. Okay, if the safeties are disguising every single time, that means post-snap, I have to take a second to confirm what I just took those five seconds pre-snap to confirm when you have to confront every single time post-snap, or at least you're making them second-guess going like, well, I saw that safety scream over last time, but it was not the coverage I thought. It's just taking mental energy away, and you're just making it harder and harder and harder. And, yeah, and just bringing up those different looks, like just just causing Mahomes to just uh, uh, just take that double clutch. And when the rush is, when they're running all these games and everything and looping on the outside, then Mahomes can't ad-lib and find the soft spot to Kelsey as much. He did it a couple times. But, yeah, that's, that's what – holding those safeties does is you walk up and those guys start moving. And again, on the flip side is Brady is one of the best in the leagues. Actually, another guy that's pretty good as Russ uh, of all people is yeah. using a, a quick cadence um, to take advantage of a safeties that want to move around. Mm-hmm. You ever see, if you watch the chiefs offense go, uh, one thing that's kind of overstated about them is that they or maybe understated is that they don't run that many concepts. They only right. run like six or seven concepts. It's just they disguise them real well. They got a lot of heat coming at you. And then they get really tricky on third down and in a low red zone. They're usually in like third shorts and low red zones Shuffle when they and, and that's those are the plays that we share on Twitter. I go like, oh my God, Andy Reid's a genius. But like <laughs> those 45 other plays, it's kind of basic stuff, more or less. They just they're the Chiefs, so they kind of do it a little funky. 
But when you're just doing those usual looks and then the Bucks defense isn't prepped for that, they can disguise their stuff. And if you watch a Chiefs offense, there's not many times they go on a quick where they just wind up and boom and snap it. They're not the Rams and using tempo in different ways. You know, they're not even the Cardinals who are hurry up all the time. And so I think it was just the Bucs knew that and they just it was game plan to perfection. It was all their guys knew exactly what to do every single play. And that that's rare to see, especially in a Super Bowl situation like that. Benjamin Solak put this on the timeline and and kind of wrote this up. He said he kind of used it against the Chiefs that they only, and he emphasized only because it's like kind of like tongue in cheek, but only had Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. And the Chiefs poured so, so many resources into bottling them up. And the, the Chiefs didn't have answers otherwise for that. No, I, I think they always assume one of them will pop open. It's having right. the two weapons. One of them's going to win. So who cares if they're getting shut down or everything? But the Bucks again, just speaking to the game plan, they pressed the crap out of Tiger Kill. Like they got as physical as I've seen any team get with them. And that's another thing that's like, yeah, why doesn't everyone do that? But most guys will whiff and then Tiger Kill's 10 yards down the field. We saw that in the previous week on a slot release against the yeah. against the Bills. Yeah, against, exactly. Yeah, against yeah. the Bills. Exact same thing. And it's easier said than done. But I think running so much two man, those Bucks corners just knew it. we have so much help behind us. And, you know, so we can take a chance of getting physical because we have at least we're going to have a safety behind us, not a safety in the post who has to cover the post because they're cover everything. Two guys can play half field and and, and they, they naturally created those double teams as opposed to doing anything funky. Yeah. I actually was curious because in the first game in week 12, the Bucks defense on the, it was the only normal third medium in the second half was they ran like a one a, a double coverage on on Hill. And Kelsey, and then yeah. they had both safeties helping on them, and they just went, man, uh, I think it was on Hardman and Pringle at the time, or maybe Demarcus Robinson. And I was curious if they would do that more in this game. It was a funky coverage. They only ran once. might have been a bust. But it's one of those things I kind of saw, and they kind of had the same thinking, though. They are like, not – double those guys but it was around two man right. basically accomplishing the same thing i remember the eagles tried those those double cone brackets against the saints trying to do it against michael thomas and and you know having guys against even camara they were they were bracketing yeah and it just and it and it and it did not work for them so i think the bucks <laughs> made the safer play and like okay well let's just we'll, we'll we'll have them half field it'll kind of be like a bracket but it won't right yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's also it's bucks genius being Todd Bowles just going, hey, we know the rules of this. So let's, you know, and let's just run what we run and just emphasize it more. Like they had, um, there's a couple motions. The Chiefs are running like a cross field motion, not not so much like a jet motion. And the Bucks defense passed off who their man assignments were. So like, I I really want to say on this play, I'm thinking of, they had a corner on Kelsey. Um, It was just like a one by three formation where Kelsey's the lone receiver. They motion a receiver over. And rather than being and they're in two man and rather than the corner traveling or I'm trying to say whoever traveled over there, um, they pass it off. They bumped over who their man assignments were rather than those guys just being locked and going like, like, oh, no, I'm a man with Kelsey. They go, oh, OK, they switched the formations. So that showed me that they had like special rules for yeah. probably by the formation on who they wanted lined up on Kelsey. And yeah, and it's. I mean, they had another one. They had a jet motion and the safety uh, comes sprinting down and he just he triggers off the side of the gap. It was him and JPP both came outside the C gap and Mahomes had to throw hot and he had, he burned a throw to the outside. Yep. Everything that it was just a truly one page behind. They were just or one page ahead. They just everything that Chiefs try to throw at them. They're like, no, we have an answer to that. We have an answer to that. We have an answer to that. And by the time the Chiefs try to go to the run game in the third quarter, it was like 
game was out of hand and it, yep. it, that's what happens. <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't necessarily answers that they had shown during the season either yes. because in the playoffs, they ran more press in the playoffs than they had all season long. They ran more too high looks than they had all season long in the in the Super Bowl. So just a, a really well well done job of, of bowls of tendency breaking yeah. and self-scouting and scouting the other team and, and figuring it all out within that two-week span. Just a, a brilliant job. And when you when you flip sides of the ball, I think the 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 job from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was maybe not as good, but pretty doggone good yeah. from Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians as they as they put this thing together. And just I, I felt like they were just uber efficient, both in the pass and run game. What would you feel about their offensive game plan? Yeah, they never got off script. They would just kind of were like, hey, and Arians is kind of the king of that. That has been, I would say, his strength, his biggest strength is also his one little weakness is that he's going to run his sh- no matter what, like he's just gonna, he is. He he. I I said this a couple times on on our show is, I was bored this summer and I watched the 2015 Cardinals and I was just like, screw it. I've never really studied them. Let's just watch it. Thank God I did, <laughs> because because so much of that stuff carried over five years later. It was yeah. the exact same offense. I mean, just a couple tweaks. Even the stuff when they're like, oh, they're running more Brady stuff, and I might have been a little bit of, uh, of, of the announcement of that. It was more that they just said, oh, Brady likes these concepts, so let's just call these more. Mm-hmm. Same, it was the same stuff that Arians has run. It was just like, oh, no, this there was overlap what Brady prefers because he likes more of cross-field reads, going left to right, right to left. So they did more of those. They kind of called more as opposed to two a game. They called five a game. And uh, But, yeah, why, like Arians is just going to run his stuff. He has, But we just, you just mentioned tendency breaking and just being aware, self-aware. Uh Arians never pulls anybody. He's going to run. It's kind of funny. Right. He'll run. He'll run duo. He'll run inside zone, and he runs split yep. zone. That's like that's what he runs. He does not pull. I think I had somebody look up how many times they pulled this season. I want to say it was six percent of the runs featured a puller, and it was one. It was either it was last, second, to last, or third to last in the league. But one of the bottom three teams in the league. He even mentioned in the pressers, like leading up, he's like twenty two. What, what's the call? Twenty two. Twenty two. Twenty two double. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what we build our offense on. Like he said it up front, and then all of a sudden you're seeing Tristan Tristan Wirfs pull on the hoof. I'm pulling like, in this, <laughs> not in the corner out. Like it was like, ah, oh, I got you. That's what I, I crack up so much because if you ever watch the old Peyton Manning Colts offenses, they only ran inside zone. Like they that was it. Like they ran one run play. I mean, and yep. then once in a while they'd pull pull a guy just as a changeup. But then every play action concept they ran, I won't say every, but a lot of them would pull a guy. And they would run. They would pull the guard to the to the field, and it would still get the linebackers. The linebackers who are trained going, they do not pull their offensive alignment. They do not pull their offensive alignment. Do not come up on it. We're playing paint manning. Do not come up on it. They still would come up on it <laughs> and try and fit up the run. And paint manning would hit Dallas Clark over the top. And it's it's that's the same type of thing. Is even when you're trained and you're you know every percentage and every every know how and every uh, nook and cranny about what you're about to face. There's still the human element. There's still that hey, like all of a sudden the team throws. If you're getting pounded away with duo over and over and over, and then okay, I'm going to start creeping up and I'm going to start playing tight because I got fitted up. And then the Bucks were just so smart. They ran that power play, and it was just I mean you watch it. They went on the quick. They actually went on the quick cadence that play too. So they run up, they line up, and it's a heavy. They're an extra tight end or extra offensive line is a tight end. So the defense is scrambling where to set it. They set. They can't even get set on it, and then they snap it on the quick, and then they're pulling somebody. So it's just like, you know, it's surprise. It's Sun Tzu, like you know, it's just <laughs> <laughs> using surprise as an element. That's that's a good offensive tech. That's what you use. That's one of the genius things that uh, uh, like Sean McVay's done the last few years is how well they use cadence. 
not just quick cadence and a, and a hard count, but just varying it up and you keep keep the defenders off balance. And that's what Brady does really well using quick cadence. Speaking, speaking of, the, of the quick stuff, man, 9.3 intended air yards average during the season for Tom Brady, which was third in the league. In this game, he was at 6.3. So we see three yards off of his average. Not, not only was Brady patient, quick to get rid of the ball and execute the game plan and everything like that, I felt the play calling was really patient. And I think, and I don't know from experience, but you might, how hard is that to stay that patient and just march like that without just getting a little hair, you know what I mean? Just wanting wanting to go deep and getting impatient. It, it's really hard. It's That's where, you know, Leftwich does call their plays, but like probably having Arians there helps because just like anything play calling, it, it's, I, I, I hesitate to use this term, but it really is. It is almost like an art form where it's, it's feel and feeling the flows of the game and understanding, like you can have all the numbers you want, but sometimes it's like, it's like, I know 80% of the time we're in this, they're going to run this blitz and this isn't the greatest call, but I'm just feeling something different here. Like that's a little bit of the aspect of play calling. And I think that's staying patient is one of the hardest things to do because you could have a, you go three and out and you're just like, they're on to us. It all back. Yeah. They're on to us. They're on to us. We got, we're going for a shot here. First play. Let's do it. Yeah. But it's that, you know, that's where we're coming off the sideline and probably they're, they're, they're triumvirate of Brady, Arians and, and left, which they, I think that's a great blend of voices and personalities. Like I I'm sure those, those exchanges were really interesting because Byron is, is a, a sharp guy. I never even knew he wanted to get into coaching. So it's really cool to see him succeed. And with him and Arians, Arians being more of a hothead and then, and, 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 but always, you know, Risk it, risk it. We're going for, you know, pounding away. And I'm sure Brady brought some level-headedness to it. Yeah. So I'm sure that's kind of like a nice mesh, meshing of personalities that those three have where they're probably after every series they talk through it. But going to your original point, it's like it is hard. It is hard to not get antsy. Uh, uh, Paul Chris would say don't get horny on it. But it's like <laughs> – <but it's, laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but that's – seriously, though, don't get – like you you have these plays that you're game planning. Everybody will have a, uh, on their game plans – three, four, five, six plays that they're like, we must call this. Like we have to call this play because it's a great play. It's a great design. And usually in most of the time afterwards, you're like, man, we didn't call all of them. Sometimes it's it's hard to not just dial up that cool play action shot play that you have dialed up or, or that cool screen, that cool gadget and just running duo one more time. Um, and I think that speaks to them is that they were willing to run duo one more time. And rather like that drive, they went duo, 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 rather than getting antsy there and run some cool throwback play action they ran power they went to 13 personnel jumbo personnel ran power and i think a lot of offensive coaches they get down there they're like oh let's get the passing stats not not the box and that's where i think just veteran guys with left which arians and brady they're able to just know which is called the best play I, I i love that any other big time like takeaways from this game as you watch the film that might have been unique or any other thoughts on like what what we should or should not be thinking like i i know some people are out there saying that Mahomes is it didn't play well, but I don't want to create like a straw man Twitter egg yeah. uh, to argue against, you know what I mean? But like so, something along those lines, any other thoughts on the Super Bowl you wanted to throw out there? Oh yeah, Mahomes is a god. Um, but uh... <laughs> Still, yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> no, it, it just goes to show you that even me, uh, I've, I've been one of the biggest proponents. I went to Wisconsin. My dad's an offensive line coach. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I've always been uh, 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 keen on offensive line play. And it's funny, even for me, this, the last two weeks, I 
I looked at, I was on the Chiefs this entire season. I just I haven't seen a team be able to kind of sleepwalk through a season. And it just didn't freaking matter. I've never yeah. seen a team do that. And that's why I <laughs> thought they were just special. I was like, this team's special. They get to the playoffs. They're going to just crank through everybody. But the warning signs were there that this might happen. Like they were. This is totally not out of left field. I, I have said, uh, I, I've said that there's a reason that the spread was only three points. You know, it's, it's, it, there was a reason. It wasn't this 15 point blowout. You know, the, the, the amount of the win was, surprising but the bucks winning is not they were a good team they were second in srs um but the simple rating system on football reference they had the best offense in the second half of the year like the signs were there but it it why i want to bring up the offensive line point but is that football teams are built inside out it 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 doesn't matter you can have speed for days i was part of the champ sports bowl when i i was uh it used to be the citrus bowl when i was at wisconsin we played against miami I think we were ranked like 19th. They were ranked like 17th. And it was speed versus power, speed versus power, speed versus power. And it was this game played out the same way. Uh, the Oregon-Auburn National Championship game, right. Cam Newton's year. Auburn's defensive line just destroyed uh, Oregon's front. And that just – it was Chip Kelly in his prime. And it was just like that was a big whole thing. And it's like it always works from inside out. It's That's why offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and quarterbacks are always the most important positions that's why they're the premium positions. Like that's why you t- waste high draft picks on them. That's why, um, because they they matter. They are on the field every play. <laughs> Their offensive linemen play every snap. That that is always. If you remember, if you watch a basketball game, you watch an NBA game. NBA or I'm sorry, NBA game or NHL game. NBA a, a star can take over because he, he can play every single minute of the game. You can get him the ball every single every single possession if you want to. Hockey, it's hard for a star to take over because you have shifts. Um, you know, it's just flow of the game, you know, the power kit, power, uh, you know, penalty kill. They might not be on for that shift football. The guys that are on the field the most are the quarterback and the offensive lineman. And that's why it, they play every single snap. They participate in every single play. That's why they're the most important. They affect more plays than anybody else. And it just shows you what, if you don't have Mahomes can only, do, it shows you how much a, a star God tier quarterback can do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if if you don't have an offensive line that can it can hold for you, and that that's the thing is that it wasn't like once, twice, three times. Oh, every third down, you know the Bucks got after him. It was every snap. And yeah. It just shows you it's you can have as much speed in the world, but if you don't have a guy that can get the ball to him on time, it doesn't matter. You can have the greatest play designed. You can have the greatest route runner in the world. You can have the greatest concept called. You have an all time quarterback, and if the line can't block, who who gives a I think that's my biggest takeaway is that offensive line still matters. It always will matter. As long as they, they, this game doesn't become full on seven on seven offensive line will always be one of the most important positions. 1000%. Like we, we talked about great people to follow on Twitter that you can learn stuff from. And Brandon Thorne at Brandon Thorne NFL is like my offensive line guy. I talk with him all the time. And before the Super Bowl, he was like, give me the bucks and the points. And it's because there was an obvious mismatch. You know, yep. in, in the trenches. And I really feel like if you can win in the trenches, if you can dominate in the trenches, you can be in just about any game. Yep. So it's absolutely 100% important. It's not fantasy football out there uh, on the field. Nate, thank you so much for uh, for joining us here on the SB Nation NFL show. Let the uh, gentle listeners know where they can find you, all your work. Plug away, man, whatever you want. Hi, right, gentle listeners. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nate underscore Tice, T-I-C-E, Ice-T in reverse, however you want to do it. Uh, also, you can find me, usually I'm on the Sunday night, Monday morning show of the Athletic Football Show with Robert Mays. 
uh, fantastic Robert Mays. He, uh, I'm also probably gonna, not sure what our, exactly our offseason plan is, but you will be hearing me quite often on there. Um, I'm also going to be doing some writing stuff for um, for the draft this year, the spring. So be on the lookout for that. That's going to be that's a little bit down the road. But uh, yeah, but thanks for having Mike and uh, thanks for everybody listening. <laughs> Appreciate you, man.